Get ready to tap into the minds of the founding fathers of SEO. Rocket. Rocket to the next generation of search engine optimization 3.0 with traffic that will put your website into a head-on collision. Decades of combined SEO expertise give their take on the world of SEO. Now, here are the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of search, the SEO SEO rock stars. Welcome, everyone, to the SEO rock stars. This episode is first aired on April 26, 2016, and this is Chris Boggs, your co-host. I'm the founder of Web Traffic Advisor, and I'm joined, as always, by the amazing and incredible and Australian... Frank Watson. Greetings, Frank. <laughs> How's it going, Matt? Doing pretty well, buddy. Uh, you know, really excited about the big move here for WebmasterRadio.fm. I was just, uh, it was fun uh, checking out the new SEO Rockstars page on Cranberry.fm. So how exciting is that? Big news for uh, for Darren and Brandy and uh, and and everyone over at Cranberry. I think it's, it's going to be a great match. What do you think, Frank? Oh, uh, yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, it's... Dave McGinnis has got a good background. You know, he started PR Web back in the day, and you know, this is only going to help get our audience reach broader and be able to pass along the valuable information that we do every week, so people can uh, stay in front of the SEO game. That's right, and actually. Um for all of our listeners, don't forget to check it out at cranberry.fm. There's some other great shows there, too. And um, we'll move right into our SEO Rockstars topics, as usual, curated by the great Frank Watson. And we're going to start with an old friend, someone that we occasionally get to talk about. And she's gotten a great blog post that she published on April 13th. And we're speaking of Sugar Ray, Ray Hoffman. How bloggers can fix a manual penalty caused by compensated content and reviews. So, Frank, you know, I think that maybe I missed the episode, but I don't think that we have talked about the topic of the manual penalty notices for unnatural outbound links, uh, which were really about bloggers that are um, accepting uh, products or services in return for a review, uh, which often includes then a link in that review back to uh, said um, you know product uh, provider or service provider. So uh, th- we didn't cover that yet, did we, Frank? No, we haven't. I mean, it's there's been different things out there over the years that you know is somewhat similar, but this has been one that was pretty heavily done throughout the blogosphere. Uh, in, uh, especially through the mommy blogger sites and you know, that type of thing, because there was a lot of ones that related in this particular mm-hmm. one. With you know, the- I'm just remembering that we did actually cover it because I remember um, Barry Schwartz had uh, sort of forecasted that based on, um, you know, Google's rumblings that uh, bloggers should be, be sure to do something that there was likely going to be a penalty coming up and, or, uh, you know, something, a manual penalty around coming up and it did. So, we're beyond that, and we have discussed it, and if you haven't heard it, uh, go back and check out the episode we discussed it, which was obviously mer- very memorable. Uh, but we are now talking about Ray's um, you know, article on the subject where she provides some recommendations for how to uh, get out um, you know, of such a penalty. And uh, it's actually a pretty detailed article. Uh, Frank, do you want to summarize it? Yeah, I mean, the biggest summary of it is 
and this is the only area that Google has any right to be doing any, you know, mentioning is about that link. So if you know follow the link where you're linking back to whoever it is that gave you a can of soup or bought you a car, <laughs> you know, <laughs> depending on the level of what you got, you know, that's all that it is about them. They're they're seeing it as paid links. And uh, the rest of it if you happen to have a blog and someone's willing to give you money for writing about something that you have a look at, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's purely, and that's what Ray shows in it. You know, she talks about the different things that have happened, but she talks about how to do a no follow, and that's all that you need in this one is to be able to do a right no follow attribute to the link that you're sending back to the person that just sent you a million dollars. It really is that simple, and and I think that pretty much in uh, uh, Google's come out and said the same thing. If you can make the links no follow, then you are telling Google that you're not trying to pass page rank uh, in an unnatural manner. And by the way, I do love soup. That was a great example. I would I would probably start <laughs> blogging again if it meant free soup for me, especially if it was good soup. Um, the other thing that I thought was good on this one uh, is the uh, specific direction to add a nofollow attribute to plug-in credit links. So this is an area where, you know, uh, this is almost, I don't know for sure that the plugins um, have come under the gaze uh, directly as part of this move. Uh, but if you want to talk about preemptively, um, you know, covering your bases, I think that, you know, uh, putting a nofollow in on any sort of stuff uh, like plugins or stuff that you may not necessarily always want full control or, or your readers to always go to uh, being not sure exactly what content they're going to get. So a plugin, I think, is a good one of those areas. Are there? Uh, what are your thoughts, Frank? And are there any others? Yeah, I mean, beyond that, yes, absolutely. Uh, there's the, it's the same thing with the old widget links and things like that. But you know, Ray actually goes in and, and, you know, if you happen to have, like a, uh, a list of other blogs that you recommend to people because they're in your niche. Uh, you should know, follow those because it becomes a bit of like a, a reciprocal link farm type situation. She also says the same thing if you happen to bring on guest bloggers. So this, you know, I mean, over the course of the last few years, Google really has come down pretty heavily as far as passing any sort of link influence for uh, blog posts, you know, to other people, and and in particular the the old days of you know doing a, a guest blog post, so you know, it's just another instance of that. Well, I think it's a great uh, great article, and you know, if you're doing SEO every day, it's the type of blog you should be reading, uh, Sugar Ray. So check it out. And, and the, other, the other thing I want to add there, and she does bring this up as well, is that you should, if you're doing a recommendation and someone has given you something beyond Google and what it can impact on as far as your site rankings and things like that, you got to watch out for the FTC. Because, I mean, you know, they, you've got to say that it is, you know, basically you're creating a native ad. And uh, you should, just like the financial websites that talk about investing in certain things, have to disclose that you know, we actually have this in our mutual fund or whatever. Uh, you've got to do that sort of thing now. Because forget about, you know, dropping out of Google. You don't want the FC, FTC knocking on your door going, you're, you're in violation of a federal law come with us 
Yeah, well, don't get me into the idea of, uh, you know, the simple idea of policing ourselves versus waiting until the FTC someday does it. Uh, I think, I, I mean, I, I 100% agree. You know, this is something that um, maybe Google's being a little bit, uh, some would say, picky about this kind of stuff. Uh, but in a way, all they're doing is following the FTC letter, which is clearly labeling advertising. And because Google does understand the value of that link and the FTC may not as as much, right? So in a way, you almost wonder if Google, you know, has helped to tip off the FTC. I mean, they probably know that these bloggers are making money uh, on links as well as making products and, and stuff like that to be able to review. But um, you know, I think you know, in, this is one case where, great point, Frank, you might want to get ahead of the FTC by properly aligning with Google's wishes in this case and just being clear about it. And it's not just a no-follow, but a little sentence at the beginning or the end that says, hey, I received a can of soup. I loved it, and that's why I wrote this, uh, you know, yeah. but I got the can of soup free, <laughs> you know. Um, so, hey, on to another one before we take a break. Um, this is another great article that you found, Frank, from hobo-web.co.uk, Hobo Internet Marketing, uh, published April 12, 2016 by Sean Anderson, who I believe should be the same Sean Anderson that we've heard of, right? Yeah, uh, no, this. Pardon? This is Sean. He's, he's one of yeah. the, the stellar yeah, okay. Englishmen over there that are doing some good work, so... Yeah, yeah, so definitely recognize the name and someone to read. It's Sean, spelled S-H-A-U-N, Anderson. Um, so great topic. Should I redirect old product pages to existing category pages on sites? This is something that is coming up so often, and especially when you talk about, um, you know, in migrations, uh, uh, for example, too, this could come up, the same kind of question where, Maybe you're not going to migrate some of the content over to the new site. Well, what do you do with any equity that's been built up? So as an SEO, um, you know, to back up or, or raise to the 50,000-foot level for a second, um, you know, one of the goals is to try to recoup any authority that's pointed to your domain in the form of links, right? So if you've got pages that are going to be taken down or, let's say, a product that that you sold out of or is no longer being made, uh, there might have been some links that were being put, you know, sent to those pages that have started to help build up your overall site authority, let alone the pages authority, right? So you want to maybe 301 redirect that to if you have the same product on a new site in the migration sense, you want to just redirect it. And then that way it should carry the link of value through that 301 style redirect. So most of the SEOs listening to this show are probably like, shut up, Chris, get to the more advanced shit. So um, should you redirect old irrelevant product pages that are no longer. So according to John Mueller of Google in a recent video, uh, he suggests that when it comes to classified listings uh, with millions of listings that expire every month, what are the best practices? Uh, he said that it should be a 404. Uh, and also... Um, um, well, no, he's actually saying that you can 301 it, but they're going to see it as a soft 404. And that's, because that's it's the whole thing. Yeah, and but yeah, but that's, yeah. The problem with that is, you know, depending. I mean, I understand on the classifieds, but even with the classifieds, and you can do this for any type of e-commerce stuff where a particular product is, you know, no longer being manufactured, but a, a later edition. Say, for example, a car. You know, you've got the brand new 2014 pages that got links to it. They've gone away. 
you know, you can either point them to now at the used car section of your website, or you could just as easily put them to here's the new model because you know you, you're tracking what is written and how it was written and the time it was written about that particular product. Same thing with the classifieds. If someone's looking for an apartment and you've got a classified website and that apartment listing's gone, you could pass it to something that's similar. And I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And in, and in many cases, you know, manufacturers of, of toys or of different types of cooking ware or whatever that gets upgraded, there's an, there, there is to me a logical line of being able to pass that through. And when it's completely out of you know, manufacture, maybe you create a page that talks about these, these toys that were well received, now are no longer made, here are some alternatives. So there's ways of, of creating the content page that you're going to land these old deprecated pages to. And especially if they've got links, you don't want to yep. just throw them away. Yep, you can so reach out, you know, reach out to the to the people that have put the links there. But a lot of the times, that those links are coming off of pages that were written around that particular product. <laughs> we're going right. back to that. So the the point is that you're trying to get the link value, right? And and yeah. and I think that we're jumping around in this, and it's my fault for introducing site migrations. But as you know, Sean states in his article, his main question is that he's interested in is managing expired pages, right? So, um, according to John, if you three row one redirect an expired page to that page's category, let's say it's um, you know vegetable soup uh, that's no longer available, and you redirect it, thinking, oh well, I'll recoup that value. Uh, and this is something that I've been in plenty of conversations about because not only just to recoup the value, but also because it can be easier if you're going to get rid of a ton of pages to just redirect a ton of them to the like category. Uh, so I'm sorry again for introducing something else to this specific subject on managing expired pages, but it is very, I think, a similar subject. So uh, according to him, is uh, John Mueller says that 301 redirecting to a category, for example, is something we would probably pick up as a uh, 404. So that's pretty bad, right? And and again, and this is probably expands beyond just expired pages, but if Google's looking that closely at the redirects and wants to make sure that if it's from a product level page that it's going to another exactly of the same products, that's a problem, right? For or it could pose a problem in the long term for people that are trying to manage soft 404s and and or just get better search rankings, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it depends also <clears throat> What happens if you know, you've got floral pattern chinaware and you happen to rank for floral pattern chinaware but the for a particular page that has it, but then all of a sudden that particular floral pattern is no longer there, so you point it to another page that has floral a different floral pattern. Because yeah, it's yeah. Ranked as long as you can be close, but... You know, and that's what Sean's saying is that, you know, Sean actually feels that you should try to gear towards Google and certainly not redirect uh, at the category, you know, a, a deep level floral pattern to a high level, you know, sheets category, for example, right? But, yeah. you know, this is a great topic and we could probably sit here and talk about it forever. We do have to hear a word from our sponsors, though. So why don't we break and we'll be right back with you here on SEO Rockstars. Stay with us. We'll be back with more SEO Rockstars right after this. 
Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Now, let's get back to jamming and spamming with the SEO rock stars. All right, we are back. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. Don't forget to check us out at SEO Rockstars. Our page is at Facebook slash SEO Rockstars and Twitter slash SEO Rockstars. And once again, we are new this week on cranberry.fm, moving from webmasterradio.fm. So go check it out. Let's move into our next topics. Frank, um, we got some good ones here in the middle. A couple of uh, sort of checklists, which you and I love to dissect and talk about always. Uh, the website magazine, uh, thewebsitemagazine.com, which I used to write for years ago. I uh, love that place. Nice guys over there. Uh, on 4-22-2016, published six key areas of a comprehensive website audit. So I think this is great. Now, this is um, just as a quick disclaimer for those of you that are thinking that if we speak about non-SEO things, we should be burned at the cross. There will be some non-SEO in this subject, so if you want to take a short break and uh, go scream in the bathroom or something like that while we talk about paid visibility audits and stuff like that, um, please do so now. So, six things that you should do for every website is audit. So, those six key areas are SEO organic reach, paid visibility, technical, backlink profile, competitor, and local. These are all audits that are key areas of a comprehensive website audit. So, by the way, this is by Solomon Timothy uh, over at websitemagazine.com. Frank, does that sum it up, those six areas? You think that if you did that, you'd be ready to go to battle anywhere? Yeah, largely. Uh, you know, I mean, it depends on how in-depth you get to, to this, you know, what's... In- what's covered by it, but for, you know, SEO and organic sort of reach, you know, you're, you're looking at 
the optimization, the architecture, the on-page and off-page. So there's those elements to it. You want to obviously check and benchmark where everything's ranking, where the traffic's coming from, the pages and things like that. So you've got that to look at and you can start making investigations into four or four pages, into how many redirects that you've got. Maybe you know, you've had two or three of them done over the course of a few years. So it may be time to, to change that up. Um, and then paid, I'm a big proponent of doing both. Now, you, it's going to be a large portion of your traffic if you're doing any form of paid, whether it's PPC or banner buys and things like that. So you really do want to audit that. And a lot of the times, the successful, whether it's the messaging in a banner ad or the text that's used in a PPC ad, it can give you insights into what you might want to add into your titles and descriptions on the organic side. And I 100% agree. And, and, you know, it's funny because this article does kind of veer between being multi, you know, sort of multi-channel within the digital space, but at the same or within the website area of things to look at. But being an SEO, I'm sure you, you feel the same way. But we can pretty much talk about anything that's related to websites, whether it be user experience or buttons and the colors of their buttons and stuff like that um, as having one or another effect on search engine optimization as as a science right because oh, search exactly. engine optimization includes all these signals that are sent to uh, the search engines based on the way that a user interacts with the domain so you have to talk about uh, how they get there and whether and if it's coming through a lot of paid search uh, you know there's still no proof for whatever that if you spend millions and millions of dollars on paid search that that'll also translate to good organic rankings but I would suspect that if the people that come through to your site on paid search stay there or accomplish an action that they're meant to Google would probably give that some credit when it's talking about the overall relevance of the site so not to get into any tinfoil hat wearing uh, you know connection between paid and organic and I mean, a lot of this too Chris they, you know, like calling technical you know, obviously the usability the uh, page load speeds and all that sort of thing. That's part, while you can branch it off to the technical, it does definitely have an impact on the organic side. Now, the optimization of pages so that they load faster is just a better user experience, which Google rewards. The, obviously, doing a backlink profile, that's a direct inbound SEO element. So you've uh, you want to keep track of that and doing a competitor audit, you're going to be auditing their backlink profiles to see if there's places where they're getting links that you should be. There's yeah. a number of ways that looking at a competitor audit. So a lot of this overlaps and would be covered under SEO and even the paid search element, like you said, has a number of things that can reward and be used for an SEO's, you know, implementation yeah oh yeah i mean it's it's a good overall list could have so gone into out. a little bit more detail of exactly what to do in each of them but uh as far as giving you an idea of things to look at when you're doing an audit of a website it gives you the six broad stroked areas and and that's a good start which is pretty much what website magazine does these days yeah, so check it out. Uh, you know, we're going to get into another one that's um, kind of similar to what you were talking about earlier on in the show, Frank, in regards to 
planning ahead, right? Um, so search discovery, uh, search comma discovery apps to generate billions in revenue. Over at the Media Post, Lori Sullivan, another well-known name in our industry, um, published on April 18th this article saying that local search and discovery apps or applications, uh, you know, mobile apps, will generate $12.2 billion in revenue in 2020, up from an estimated $3.4 billion in 2016. So in four years, that's quite a leap. Uh, and what that means is that there's a little button there on the top of the Google search that many of us never rarely look at unless we happen to own an app or we're leveraging apps for one reason or another to help our SEO. Um, you know, this is a big thing, right? If this much money is going to be spent on apps, that means that there's going to be that many more people trying to get their apps found organically as well, right, Frank? Uh, yeah, between, between one, the fact that you want to have your app and whatever pages you've got information about it, well-ranked in the desktop, uh, regular, let's forget about desktop, the regular Google results. But now you want to also, because they are a search engine, when you go to any of it, whether it's uh, iOS or Android or Microsoft App Store, you want to learn, because it's a search engine, when you're looking for, say, a calendar or a, a messaging app, you want to rank for those. So that's another engine that we should be learning about and, and what the criteria is for optimizing your position in it. And, and some of these apps too, I mean, this article is pretty fascinating because they described this LinkedIn uh, app that was released on Monday of the week of the 18th. That must have been probably exactly uh, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, from when we're recording this, which happens to be Monday the 25th. Uh, LinkedIn um, released an app running on iOS and Android that is aimed at helping college students find their first job after graduation. The app is intended to help them discover what to search for and determine what they are qualified to do. Now, now that LinkedIn's done this, we can expect that there's going to be Monster and every other job, uh, you know, even... Uh, some of the review sites and stuff like that, like Glassdoor, will probably be scrambling to make some kind of an app that's similarly targeted to college students. And and then as those college students start to understand that there's more apps like this that can help them, they are going to, in fact, do searches for apps. And whether it be on a desktop unit or on their mobile, uh, you're still going to need to be there. I like the other one in here, too, Frank, that talks about um, the Beacon stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to me, I mean, what what is it? Can <laughs> yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Well, no beacons, and again, a lot of these apps. I mean, beacons are notifications that uh, work off of you being in a particular location. Uh, the best app that I'm aware of is when you're in a store, they can tell you what coupons and specials that that are available. They'll even give you, you know, a map to find. What, what it is that you want. <clears throat> so it's a, it's a very much takes you out of, of the, the regular walk around the store and actually projects you along a path to where your things are. Uh, whether it's in the phone, I've actually seen a, uh, one of the shopping carts in a grocery store that has a little device on it that you can press in whatever it is you're looking for, say soup, it seems to be a soup show, uh, and it'll it'll tell you what aisle, et cetera, to go to find it. So those sort of, you know, they, 
it's not just the standalone search engines, anything that searches and yeah. gives you a result is something that we as SEOs should be aware of to be able to add that to our repertoire. Yep. Otherwise, there will be no soup for you. Uh, the other point there is, I think that you know, you start to think about the uh, dominoes that fall, right? So think about beacons, and and let's say that the beacons get more and more popular. If you're walking around a mall and you're a marketer and you get some beacon uh, messages, that's probably going to give you ideas, right? So I would suggest that you know there will be probably uh, an area of opportunity for people to try to capitalize on the strong um, categories that are sending out beacons and potentially serve ads, right, that are in paid search or create uh, organic content that can rank for the subsequent searches that are going to happen as a result of those people being hit with those beacon messages, right? So I think there's a lot, uh, a lot think, of people, and that's really why we're marketers, and that's why we love this. I think that was part of what Google intended with Google Glass glasses because you could put those on and it would pop up almost like the pins on a Google map uh, of businesses that you were staring down the street at. Now, if it if those products, the glasses themselves have proven a little bit more popular and, and more engaged and more people bought them, they would have been able to put advertising in there and go you know, like, oh, you're walking by uh, McDonald's and here's a coupon. <laughs> and I, That's I mean, right. That, that's what they saw. Pretty certain that that's what Google thought. Oh yeah, everyone will want to wear these glasses, and then once they're out there in the mass masses, then we'll be able to put ads in them. Yep. Here's a coupon. Blink twice, and we'll send it to your phone. Hey, listen, we need to take a break, and uh, we'll be right back with you. Stay with us on SEO Rockstars. We'll be back with more SEO Rockstars right after this. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Conversion Conference. 
the can't-miss CRO event of 2016. Join over 750 people from dozens of countries gathering in Las Vegas, May 18th and 19th, for the biggest industry-wide conversion event ever. Four parallel tracks of top content will allow you to personalize the exact topics that you want to focus on, interact with expert speakers at informal networking events, and birds of a feather lunch table topics. Meet dozens of leading CRO companies face-to-face in the expo hall. Get hands-on with pre-conference workshops and master classes. Join us for fun activities such as zip lining and Tim Ash's after party in the presidential suite. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's in Vegas, baby? May 18th and 19th, Conversion Conference last year sold out fast, and it's expected to sell out again. So don't miss it. Go to conversionconference.com for details right now. Let's get back to jamming and spamming with the SEO rock stars. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the last segment for this week on SEO rock stars. This is Chris Boggs, joined by Frank Watson. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for sticking with us. And thanks to our sponsors for your kind words. We hope you sell a lot. WPBeginner.com has a pretty cool tutorial on how to increase or decrease WordPress JPEG image compression. So for those of us that go and do SEO audits, uh, and uh, speaking of audits, um, you know, one of the things that often comes out of pretty much any audit that, that I'm involved in is taking a look at opportunities to, uh, you know, uh, if the images could load faster, right? If you look at the overall weight of the page and, and how it loads, um, one of the key areas where nowadays we've got improved technology, um, you know, through GZIP compression and all kinds of other stuff that I barely even could understand really uh, a few years ago, it, it really does start to make sense in terms of some of this coding and how it's used to uh, make a image uh, more compressed and also therefore allow the page to load faster. So from an SEO perspective, um, and especially since there's so many WordPress pages out there now, uh, understanding how to change the image compression quickly is a good idea. So on April 18th at WPBeginner.com, there's this great article. Frank, uh, you want to cover it quickly? Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, it, it provides you how to do it inside of WordPress so that you can lower the speed uh, well, to quicken the speed of the page load by lowering the compression and the, while there may be a slight quality impact on the image, it's so minuscule that you're really not going to be able to notice it. And the thing is, we're moving past the point of mobile being over 50% of searches. So, you know, and page speed is, is very, very important when it comes to mobile. So anything that you can do... And that compression... What you're saying is, although it may cause some degradation in the image on a desktop environment or even a tablet, a tablet, especially if your high volume of traffic is coming from mobile, you should not be caring about that, right? Because unless these people have eagle eyes and and are using glasses, yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's a good, quick article, good so, quick article. Good quick tip. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. At wpbegame.com. 
And then another, we're going to get a couple more technical tips today. Uh, this is one that I love, is finding out how and why people get featured snippets. Because this is still, I think, fairly a wild frontier in terms of how Google's implementing the feature snippets. It's also partially because of people's either partially or improperly implemented schema uh, or other microformatting that they're using uh, that sometimes causes these problems. But, um, you know, there's an article on 25 of April uh, 2016 at Search Engine Watch by Teresa Litza, who I think we've been covering a few times. Uh, so she must be uh, uh, writing some good articles, Frank. I know she's been coming up on your radar. Yeah. Uh, Rob and this is really important because the way that Google is now localizing and, and creating different aspects of, of the page layout that when you go in and you see those little sentences of you know, what what is an SEO page feed little boxes and the explanation those are the featured snippets and so are what they call the you know, what I was calling the knowledge graph box up at the top or the answer boxes uh, <clears throat> And it's important to read this one. I'm not going to go into the details of it. We've got a few, only a minute or so to go before the end of the show. But go to this one. Just do a search for what are featured snippets and how do I get them. And you'll find this one over at Search Engine Watch. Read it. You really should know what's going on. And and thank you, by the way, for clarifying that. I was actually um, slightly describing what it really a featured snippet is. However, I will fall back and say that there are ways that you can affect some elements of a featured snippet, especially if you're talking about recipes and things like that, by using uh, markup as well. And oh, yeah, and a schema a highlight marker that you, you're the biggest proponent on the world of definitely works really well. And uh, I think the last one we've got is... Uh, Test Google will rank keywords in title image in image title attribution tags. Uh, that's just a big thumbs down from John Mueller. So this Don Anderson uh, article on April 14, 2016, at the SEM Post um, was um, basically saying uh, that John Mueller says we don't use text and images at all for the web page. Event basis sometimes means we won't see it either. Yeah, and, and that's when you get a rollover and it, a different image comes up. And in the image, not only do you have an alt tag, but you got a title tag in there. You know, I, I mean, one of the title tags is pretty much a waste of your time. Uh, and, and the rollover, because it's event-based, they're not seeing that alt tag either. That's what I got from that article. Yeah, this is a pretty long article. I'm going to have to go back and check it out and read it again. Uh, I just kind of skimmed through it before. Uh, but it's an interesting test, and it's a back and forth in regards to whether or not you can affect uh, what Google's picking up based on a rollover or not. And as we know, and a very related subject is still, I can I think, kind of in the air, is what how Google treats content on a page, whether it requires a mouse click or a rollover to see it and whether then it's is deemed as being as relevant of content as the rest of the content on the page. But we can talk about that another time. Uh, we do have to drop, as Frank said, we will leave you with one, one more link here. Uh, not a link, but just uh, a heads up to go check out at youtube.com um, this link, which I somehow screwed up in the email. Um, so let me get the whole link. 
go to YouTube and search for Vlog Facebook, and you will see published April 11, 2016. And how does Yoast do it? Yeah, this one's really good. It uh, it's an explanation of, of uh, Yoast's skill skill set and, and how how he's, he's accomplishing things. So I would definitely recommend you do it. Uh, we'll make sure that it gets the link to it gets included in the description of this show. Outstanding. So thanks for staying with us, everyone, as we ram along, and we'll see you next week here on SEO Rockstars. Have a great week, Frank. Have it's a great week, listener. The opinions expressed on this Cranberry Radio program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry Media. Any redistribution of this content without proper consent is prohibited.